tonight on Truth Today, Islamophobia hysteria. Criticize Hamas, criticize Islam, you're going to jail and you're going to be deemed as a national security threat. We have breaking news of what the U.S. government is, is going to do to criminalize those who oppose Islamic terrorism and Islam. Also, we'll be talking about possibly an attack on Israel tomorrow. Russia, Iran, further getting involved and, and their proxies. Could there be another attack tomorrow in Israel from the north? That and much more breaking right now on Truth Today. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us live here on Truth Today. Uh, my name is Pastor Sharam Hadi with Truth and Love Ministry. Thank you for taking the time tonight to join us. And uh, um, it's a show that I think you're going to want to listen to because it has a lot of practical imp implications if you're going to be a truth teller in the days to come. Our ministry, Truth in Love, is focused on speaking the truth in love from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. That has been our ministry mission and focus since we were birthed in 2010, almost 14 years ago. We have been committed to speaking the truth in love, no matter how much it costs us, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much pushback we get, no matter how many times we are hated, threatened, death threats, no matter how many times we have been labeled as a hate group. We're going to continue to proclaim the truth in love because that's what the Word of God commands us to do because we know that it is only the truth proclaimed in love that sets the captives free. And of course, the most important truth that we will proclaim is the good news, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to start tonight and end tonight with that focus. But in the middle of our commitment to speak the truth in love, we are also commanded in Scripture to expose the works of darkness. This is a part of the mission of Christianity. Christianity, folks, is the light that goes into the darkness. And throughout the world right now, there are Christians who have been imprisoned, tortured, beaten, those who have already fallen and have been martyrs for the cause of Christ, who refused to be silent throughout the church history. All of those martyrs that one day are going to be recognized, heaven rejoices at these martyrs who have fallen because of the name of Christ. They, their sacrifice is what the church is built upon. It's what our faith is built upon. The sacrifice of the martyrs, the sacrifice of those who laid their lives down for the cause of Christ. Of course, Christ himself, right? Jesus himself ultimately was a martyr, laying his life down for us. And I bring this warning to you that I believe that we are shifting in the world, not just in nations that you would say, oh, these are nations that are known to be able to suppress freedom of religion and freedom of speech. It's China, it's North Korea, it's the Middle East. We have seen the rise of 
isms, communism, Marxism, socialism, globalism, Islamism. But now the bastion of freedom that was the West, North America and Western Europe, that freedom is soon to be eroded. And as I've been warning for many years, I believe that a greater measure of persecution is coming upon the church in the West, the church that has been asleep, the church that has been, for the most part, apathetic, too comfortable, don't think these things can happen, or we believe that there's an escapism clause somewhere that somehow Christians in the West will not see the worst of the worst as other Christians are in in, in other parts of the world. And so the purpose of my opening dialogue tonight is to prepare us that if you're going to stand and speak the truth in love, we know the hour will come where it will cost us everything. And I think tonight's show uh, is going to demonstrate that that hour is getting closer and closer. That we are soon approaching that hour where the true remnant will reveal itself. And the fake churches or the lukewarm churches, the dead churches, the, uh, uh, the uh, churches that are in apostasy, they too will reveal themselves. Because to follow Christ has a cost and to speak the truth and proclaim the gospel has a cost. Why do I expose the works of darkness? I expose the works of darkness to be able to then have the light penetrate the darkness. We expose evil, as I said on my show on Tuesday. This ministry is called to, number one, expose. Number two, correct. Number three, equip. You can't equip the body of Christ until we are corrected, until we're making sure that we are biblically, scripturally proclaiming the good news that the world needs. And you can't do that if there is an exposing that needs to happen because there are forces underway to undermine that gospel because the Bible tells us, Paul says in Romans 1, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Apart from it, there's no power. And apart from it, nothing can change or be saved or be redeemed. So I want to start tonight in our verse that just to reiterate that, and I've used this verse before, folks, But this is again in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 to 11. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Notice it doesn't say finding out what is acceptable to the world. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Our hearts should be to please our God. And verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. This is our calling to first bring light into the darkness. If you have the light of Christ in you, right? We were once in the darkness, but now we are in the light. Well, then you carry that light into the darkness. 
You go into the darkest places like I have sought to do in this nation, whether it's going into the heart of the beast of the belly of Islam in Minnesota or Michigan, or whether those who will take the gospel into the inner cities or into the places that there are drug addicts and there, there are gangs, there are Christians that seek to take the light into the darkest of the darkest, the demonic places. But when you go, you then must not have fellowship with the works of darkness, but expose them. And you do the same thing in the church. Our ministry exists to bring an exposing of the darkness by bringing into the light, bringing into the truth, speaking the truth in love. Then that truth hopefully will bring correction, which then will lead to equipping to go out and fulfill the work of the ministry, as Ephesians 4 also says. So tonight, our topic is this. Islamophobia hysteria. That's our topic tonight. I don't know, uh, Dryer, do we have an image for that? But uh, we'll get that. But folks, we are bringing you a warning. I was on radio last night with my friend Brandon House, breaking story. Then today I was on Frank's speech at uh, two o'clock Eastern time, one o'clock Central a very, very important show that we did that I want to cover. That's why I'm covering this tonight because this Islamophobia hysteria. Now, if you criticize Hamas or Islam, you're going to go to jail. This is where we are at, folks, in America. You think that we have freedom of speech. You think that we have freedom of religion, freedom of worship, freedom of assembly, freedom of the press. I'm sorry to say that that is simply an illusion. It's an illusion. Because in reality, if you are conservative, you are Christian, you are a man, you are um, a patriot, you love this nation, you believe that COVID was a fraud, you believe that our elections are not secure. I, I was interviewed today by a journalist from the Wash uh, Wall State um, this is the Wall Street, Wall Street Journal. And he's asking me about, you know, do I think that the elections, and so I said, I shared with him, listen, I lived through it in Iran. I saw it in my birth country. When, when, when there's a coup, when there's an overthrow, um, it leads to corrupt elections. So if you believe in those things, and now if you criticize Islam, you're going to see tonight, you're on your way to jail. Maybe not tomorrow or the day after, but soon. You're on your way to be labeled as a national security threat. That is where our government is going. That is where the governments of the world is going. And so before I get into the weeds on this and the details, those of you who sometimes feel that maybe I'm being too negative, I want you to operate in the opposite spirit. If the enemy is trying to silence us, we have to be louder. If the enemy is trying to intimidate us, we have to be braver. We have to pray for courage. We have to pray for boldness. We have to pray for faith. 
We have to walk in the opposite spirit of the age, of whatever the enemy is doing. Because the spirit of God is against the spirit of Antichrist. And if this Antichrist spirit is rising in the world under the guise of this beast system, then we have to operate by the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not cowardice. The fruit of the Spirit is not timidity. The fruit of the Spirit is not compromise. The fruit of the Spirit is not love of the world. The fruit of the Spirit does not ever promise us that we will not be hated or persecuted. The fruit of the Spirit is not your best life now. It's suffering, hardship, tribulation, enduring, persevering. So I'm emboldened by the breaking news last night and today. I'm emboldened. I feel more alive. I feel more purpose. I feel I'm grateful because for the last four years, so much of our ministry has been stifled because we've had to focus on all the COVID fraud and all the globalist agenda. And we're going to continue to cover those things. Bible prophecy, the great pushback, countering the great reset, one world religion rising, all of our new DVDs. We have a brand new presentation that we're going to be recording uh, here in about two weeks. Please pray uh, for Sunday, November 12th in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I'm going to be uh, recording our brand new presentation, We Will Not Comply, The Battle Between Obeying God Versus Government. We're going to get that on DVD, Lord willing. Please pray for that presentation. Pray that it would go well. So we're going to keep covering this, but for four years, the, the crux of our ministry that has been dealing with the subject of Islam, that has been dealing with the subject of my, of my backstory of being a former Muslim and warning Americans and warning the world about the dangers of Islam and this false ideology and that how that impacts the gospel of Jesus Christ. It has been stifled. And so I'm relieved. I'm relieved that once again the Lord has opened the door and allowed our voice to go forward to speak on these things. And I hope that I will not lose many of you. But typically when we talk about Islam, we lose a bunch of our audience because people just don't want to know or they think it doesn't really apply to them. Or they're intimidated. They're intimidated because they don't know how to reach Muslims. And so next week, folks, I'm going to do my show on Tuesday, unless there's breaking news. I'm going to do my show on Tuesday. Can you go to that image, please, Dry of answering Islam, sharing Christ? This is going to be our topic on Tuesday. I'm going to give you some teachings on how to share Christ with Muslims, how to answer the objections of Islam. Because many of you are asking about, well, how do I go and reach Muslims? How do I go and reach Jews? They all need the gospel, by the way. They all need salvation, by the way. But I want to get to our breaking story. Why am I calling this Islamophobia hysteria. First of all, 
This is the story, Dries, uh, bring up the UK one. This is the story that I covered last night on with Brandon Howes. I was on the phone because I was out with uh, my daughter on a daddy-daughter date night um, before I go on a trip or usually after I come back from a trip. I take turns trying to spend time with each of my children, especially the younger ones. Uh, my 18-year-old behind the computer, he's so busy now uh, with school and with work, um, but I try to spend as much time as I can, but especially with the younger ones. So last night I was on a date with my uh, six-year-old daughter, soon-to-be seven-year-old daughter, and uh, we were running some errands together and had dinner together, and I got a call from Brandon to break the story about he was just so upset about what happened in the UK. And I watched this video and it made me upset. Let's go back to that story, please, Drea. Um, here it is. Um, did you already bring it up or no? Okay, UK, here we go. So here's the story, folks. And the reason, keep this up, please, for a minute. The reason that I'm not playing the video is because there is some language in the video. So you can go and watch it. This is Jihad Watch. So if you go to jihadwatch.org, they have it there. So here's what happens, okay? This UK man is living in a Muslim neighborhood in an enclave. He then videotapes himself on Facebook walking through the streets of this enclave. Now, what does an enclave mean? It means it was an area that was predominantly British, predominantly white, but as Muslims have moved into that area, they force the natives out it, it gets taken over. It becomes almost like a mini Sharia-controlled zone. We've been warning about this for years and years, that we have this in America now, in Hamtramck and Dearborn and uh, Cedar Riverside in Minneapolis and uh, to some extent the eastern part of St. Cloud, Minnesota. And we have this throughout America now, folks. And so as he's doing that, he's noticing that they have put up all of these Palestinian flags. Remember this I showed you? Can we bring up that flag of Palestine? The so-called Palestinian flag. Remember, there is no Palestine. But this is the flags that he was seeing. And remember I said to you on Tuesday, it's interesting because these four colors, the red, the black, the white, and the green, are all the colors of the four, keep this up for a second, please, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, Revelation chapter six, the first four seals, right? The rider that comes on the white horse to conquer, that's the Antichrist. Then the rider that comes on the red horse to remove peace from the earth and bring war. Then the rider that brings uh, uh, death, which is the black horse. And then the rider that brings famine and uh, lack, which is the, uh, the green horse. Uh, these four, so it's interesting that that's the color. I'm not saying it's, related to that, but it's interesting. I'm just, you know, it was somebody has, a few people have sent that to me this week, two or three different people have sent that to me. I decided to cover it. But anyway, so he's seeing these Palestinian flags and he's upset and he just makes a video. He puts it on Facebook. I can't believe that they're promoting this. And there's a little bit of bad language in there. I can't believe they're promoting this. I can't believe that they're supporting terrorists. I can't believe they're supporting Hamas because remember, who is running Gaza? It is Hamas, a terrorist organization. By the way, a terrorist organization that is both labeled a terrorist organization by the United States of America and the United Kingdom and Great Britain. So in England, Hamas is labeled as a terrorist organization. So they're flying this flag <clears throat> supporting Hamas. We've seen and I've shown you the videos 
from the UK and from Europe of what they're saying about Jews, killing Jews, gassing Jews, uh, again, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Remember Kaibar, which, which was a reference to when Muhammad went to uh, the community of Yathrib in northern Arabia and he eradicated the Jewish community by either forcing them out or killing and beheading six to 900 Jews in one day. So when they shout, hey Jews, remember Kaibar, it's saying, remember what we did to you. Remember what our prophet did to you. So he makes this video. That's it. Made a video. He didn't threaten anybody. And in the video, you see a Muslim woman walking in a full burqa. All these Muslim shops. He didn't make any threats. Well, then he gets a visit to his house by the British police, by these thugs. I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed by the police today. I'm embarrassed by so many cops. As a former police officer. And they inform him that under a statute, he is being arrested. He's being arrested for suspicion of a hate crime and hate speech. Now, this is nothing new for the UK. A couple, three or four years ago, there was a guy that was, that was on the streets with a little megaphone and he was reading a speech of Winston Churchill that was talking about criticizing the religion of the Mohammedans. That's Islam, folks. Winston Churchill had wrote about the religion of the Mohammedans and how it was backwards and how it was um, destructive. So this guy's reading a speech from Winston Churchill and he was arrested for hate speech because people complained. Now, in this case with this man, we don't know if people complained or not, but they come to his house and they arrest him under the charge of a hate crime and hate speech. Now, what usually happens in Europe happens in America within months. But it didn't take months. By the way, this, this man has stage four cancer, has kidney disease, he's on medication, and he's still, from what we understand, still in prison. They didn't release him on bail, they didn't let him go home. Within hours, within hours, three hours, I was on the air, breaking news last night. Brandon's associate producer sends him a breaking story out of the White House. Kamala, Kamala, whatever her name is, Harris, comes out and does a video. And in the video, she says, President Biden ran for office to restore the soul of our nation. Yeah, how's that working out, folks? How's that working out? How's the soul of America doing under the O'Biden administration? He is unequivocal, she says. There is no place for hate in America against anyone, period. Okay, all right. All right, Kamala. I'm tracking there. We don't want to have hate. Okay, but there's already laws on the book for hate crimes, right? There's already, if I go and beat up somebody who's uh, identifying as trans or drag, look, that's assault. 
unless I was defending myself, that's an assault. If I threaten them, I'm going I'm I'm to punch you out. I'm going to kill you. There's already, that, there's already laws on the books. If I threaten someone with bodily harm, bodily injury, there's already laws in the books. That's actually considered assault as well. If I threaten to kill, if I actually try to kill somebody, there's already laws in the books. It's attempted murder. If I, God forbid, actually kill somebody, there's laws in the books for murder, homicide, uh, manslaughter, whatever. So why do we need new laws? Ah, because there's a greater agenda. There's a greater agenda of silence. Because a totalitarian regime and a totalitarian system, whether we saw this in communist China or Soviet Union or in Nazi Germany or in Soviet uh, communist Eastern Europe, or we've seen it in Muslim Islamic countries all over the world, including my birth country of Iran, where there are laws on the books according to Islam and Sharia about criticizing Islam. And I'll cover that. Okay, so here's, here's, here's the, the gist of it. Because I agree there should be no place for quote-unquote hate. But what do you define as hate? If I don't, if, if I'm against an ideology, there's no room in America for me to communicate that I'm against an ideology? If I don't support the LGBTQ alphabet soup? If I don't support drag queens or gender mutilation of our children? Is that hate? Should that be criminalized? If I don't believe in Mormonism or Jehovah's Witnesses or uh, I don't believe uh, in, in Hinduism or Buddhism, if I speak out against those things, is that hate? Is it hate to criticize? Because in the Bible, we're told to be discerning. We're told, we were talking about this on Brandon's show today, that it, is, it used to be wisdom to be able to discern and discriminate. Because you discriminate between good and evil. Aren't you supposed to discriminate? Aren't you supposed to be discriminatory against evil? As a Christian, do I discriminate against evil? Should I be judgmental about evil? Should I judge evil as evil? Come on, I'm asking you guys. What do you think? So, If now, according to Ms. Kamala, if now, here's what she says, today, Biden and Vice President Harris are announcing that their administration will develop the first ever U.S. national strategy to counter Islamophobia in the United States. We look forward to continuing our work with community leaders, advocates, members of Congress, and more to develop the strategy, which will be a joint effort led by the the Domestic Policy Council. Now listen, please listen. The Domestic Policy Council and the National Security Council and counter the scourge of Islamophobia and hate in all its forms. For too long, Muslims in America and those perceived to be Muslim such as Arabs and Sikhs, have endured a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks. By the way, that's a lie. And I'll show you just in a few minutes how that's a lie. 
which is verifiable by the FBI itself. So Kamala, you're a stinking liar. You viper. You're a liar. We all mourn, and then she brings this example of a six-year-old Palestinian boy, so-called Palestinian, uh, who was attacked and killed in Chicago by the landlord. Now, they, they, they brought a story, and I condemn the murder of anybody that is innocent. I condemn any uh, racially motivated, religiously motivated crime. If I attack a black person, an Asian person, a Native American person, just because they are that, I'm wrong. That's sinful. If I attack someone just because they're from a certain country, that's wrong. If I attack and harm somebody because they're Muslim, that's wrong. Now, again, if they're trying to harm me, that's self-defense. That's different. If someone's trying to harm me or my family, that's different. All bets are off. But if it's unprovoked, or is this because I have anger in my heart? Well, that's, that's on me. That's wrong. But I guarantee you there's more to this story of a 71-year-old landlord attacking and stabbing, they, they say, this little boy 20-something times and stabbing the mother. Because there's oftentimes something else that's behind the story. Just like I covered, I think on Tuesday, about the George Floyd situation, or maybe it was last week, that autopsy reports show George Floyd never was killed by those police officers in Minneapolis. He was killed from fentanyl overdose and from his body shutting down from all the drug use. That was in the autopsy report, if you didn't see that. All right, so why is this so important? Who cares, right? You say, Trump, who cares? Because now the White House has said, which I'm going to show you the backstory of where this came from. Where did the word Islamophobia come from? What's the root of it? Why, how long have they been pushing this? Did this just happen just after? Because the White House has repeatedly said over the last three or four weeks, the last 26 days since the attacks on Israel, that look, what we're really, every time they're asked about, are you concerned about anti-Semitism? By the way, anti-Semitism that has increased 1,200% in the last 26 days. 1,200% globally, but here also in America. You've seen the videos of Jewish students being barricaded in a college because they are afraid for their lives. I played the video in Russia, at Dagestan, in the airport, of Muslim mobs, like rabid dogs, hounding Jews that were coming off a plane uh, from Israel. Maybe they're getting on or coming off. I can't remember. We've played the mob rallies in America. We've sh I sh t what was Tuesday's show about? Tuesday's show was about the cesspool that is our college campuses, a, a recruiting center for Marxist and Muslim uh, mobs. I went through the history of the Muslim Brotherhood. I went through the history of the Muslim Student Association, how, how they've been working with the Marxists and communists on college campuses. 
So why is this so important? Because you missed it if you missed it. This now is a matter of national security. This now is, folks, is a matter of national security to this administration and to this government. Meaning, and here's the big question, right? How do you define Islamophobia? Well, first of all, the word Islamophobia communicates an irrational. First of all, a phobia is a rational fear. Now, it can be irrational at times, but there's, you know, if you have a fear of heights, that could be a rational fear. They're irrational fears and rational fears. So the word Islamophobia in its earnest is translated as an irrational fear or a rational fear of Islam. Well, listen, I think that it is fair to have a rational fear of Islam because when we see the number one perpetrators of Christian persecution on the planet being Islam, according to Open Doors USA, according to every statistic and every metric, the number one perpetrators of killing Christians on the globe are Muslims. That's just a fact. I'm not, being, I'm not trying to hate on Muslims. That's just a fact. I think that's a rational fear. If I'm a Christian living in a country that is governed by Islam, I think it's a rational fear that I uh, could be arrested and executed for my faith at the hands of Muslims. If I'm in Iran, for example, my birth country, number eight, by the way, on the list of persecuted nations at the hands of Islam. If, I, if I'm concerned about Muslims coming to America and, and committing acts of terror and, and carrying out jihad, is that a rational or irrational fear? Now, I'm not saying be governed by your fear, but is it okay to be concerned about it? Is that rational to be vigilant when I travel to some of these places and I have to be vigilant about my security? When we had that heavily armed Muslim guy come to our conference in, Rapid, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota in 2017, five weapons, 1,500 rounds of ammo threatened our conference, threatened our lives, and the police locally did nothing. Is that rational or irrational for me to be concerned about that and make sure that we have good security at our events or good security at our church? If I have security at our church or at our event, is that irrational? Or would you say that's wisdom? So you got to define, you see, they're not defining the term Islamophobia. They're saying it's a scourge. You're a, anybody that is fearful in any way, shape, or form of the ideology of Islam and the evil that it has perpetrated for 1,400 years, oh, you are a scourge, according to the White House. Hmm. But that's nothing new, right? Because remember, MAGA people, right? You're deplorable, according to Hillary. So, folks... Um, I think that this is very concerning because under the Patriot Act, I said this today on Brandon's show, under the Patriot Act, if you are charged or, or, or even deemed a national security threat, the National Security Council is now going to deal with those who criticize Islam? 
If somebody commits a religiously motivated hate crime, local law enforcement can step in. The FBI is dealing with that. Why is this a national security issue? What, you know what's a national security issue? Our non-existent borders. You know what's a national security issue? A corrupt president who is beholden to China and the globalists and Russia. A, you know what's our national security issue? All of these Chinese nationals and Iranian nationals coming across our poor, porous border, our unvetted refugees. Those are national security issues. No, no, no. Now it's mega Trump uh, conservative Christians patriots. We are domestic violent extremists, DVEs. We are now national security threats. So here we covered the story of UK going, man, if, this, if they're doing this in the UK, the guy just posted a video on, on Facebook and now he's arrested and charged with hate crimes and hate speech from posting a video. Didn't even do anything. Now that's coming to America in months, three hours later, we get word about this announcement. Now, you think this is, they just whipped this up? No, it's been sitting on the shelf and I'm going to show you that. I'm going to show you that, what the American Bar Association is doing, what the Muslim Brotherhood Front Group CARE is doing. I'll show you that just in a minute. But those are national security issues. But under the Patriot Act, if you're deemed a national security threat, they can do almost anything to you. They can make you disappear. First thing that they can do to me is revoke my ability to be able to travel. They can put me on the no-fly list because if you're a national security threat, you're on the no-fly list. There you go. So there goes the, the majority of our travel ministry. Boom. See, this has implications, folks. Don't be surprised if Pastor Sharam Hadian is arrested in the next months or a few years. Don't be surprised if all of our materials, our DVDs, our, our booklets are now deemed as hate speech material, which by the way, in Canada they are. I can't take a lot of my material over to Canada because they're deemed hate speech material. Now it's in the United States. The United Nations, let's go to the quickly to the, uh, where did this word Islamophobia come from? Well, the Islamophobia term comes from the fact that, no, 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 not that one. The United Nations, here's the General Assembly. They, they have been working on this for years. You can see the date there, 2011. 2011, keep this up, please. United Nations Assembly uh, Council, Resolution 1618. Human Rights Council, they want to combat intolerance, negative stereotyping, stigmatization. Now, look at incitement to violence and violence, I get, that's criminal. But negative stereotyping, intolerance, and stigmatization? Who put this resolution together in 2011 that was about fighting, and, and this was for supposedly any religious belief, but they only did it for Islam. They only did it to protect Islam. Because look at this, Look at who the author of this is. Go to the next slide, please, Drya. The author of this is in section five there. The Secretary General of the Organization of the Islamic Conference of the 15th Session of the Human Rights Council. Remember, I've told you, go ahead and please come back to me, that the largest voting block in the United Nations is what's called the Organization of Islamic Cooperation. The 56 Muslim nations, and they throw in Palestine for 57, 
and then they have some other allies, other nations that work with them, but this is a voting block, the largest voting block. They put forth this resolution 1618. In 2012, when Hillary Clinton was still Secretary of State, she was trying to bring it into the Secretary of State as policy. In fact, she did because Homeland Security ended up putting out memos with the same type of language, hamstringing law enforcement from ever being able to, because I know this because I used to do counterterrorism training for law enforcement, for the FBI, for Homeland Security, for Joint Terrorism Task Force with the uh, local uh, law enforcement. And I know because they would tell me, we are now prohibited from in any way, shape or form considering ideology as motivation. You can't link Islamic ideology to a Islamic terrorist act. You can't even say it's an Islamic terrorist act anymore. It's just a act of violence. And we know that Homeland Security changed the documentation after 9-11. Because in 2009, when Obama took office, they began to change the designation from Islamic terrorism to domestic violent extremism. Again, you and I are the targets of that. I've already said it tonight. So then they tried to pass it in legislation and it hasn't been able to pass. Well, guess what? Drya, let's go to the American Bar Association, the second one. We'll come back to the CARE one in a minute. Let's go to the second one. Nope, right there. Here is recently, this is their meeting just a couple months ago. Keep this up, please, for a second, because I want them to, can you actually take that back off and zoom it in for me and then bring it back up? Because I want them to read the text of this in a minute. They announced that they, the American Bar Association, here we go, watch this, urges federal, state, local, territorial, and tribal governments, they want the tribes in America to do this, to condemn Islamophobia. They urge Congress to enact legislation that combats and eliminates Islamophobia, which ultimately means the criticism of Islam, such as, and see, it's on the shelf, look at this, they've had this for, for years, House Resolution 5665, in the 117th Congress. Then House Resolution, or, or Senate Resolution 3384, which is in the 117th Congress, and urges the United States and all other United Nations member states to adopt legislation and pursue policies and measures that combat and eliminate Islamophobia. They urged not just the federal government, but they urged individual state attorney generals to impose this legislation, which is, you're gonna see this. You're gonna see this in, starting with, of course, Democrat-run states, like Minnesota, Michigan, where I have known for years that once I travel into Minnesota or Michigan and speak on the subject of Islam, even if it's factual, is, is it criminal if I cite their sources? If I read from this book and say I don't agree with it, I think it's not from God. Is that, isn't that Islamophobia? Because that's criticizing Islam. That's stigmatizing Islam. If I say that Islam is the most anti-Semitic belief system on the planet, 
Isn't that Islamophobia? And so according to the American Bar Association, they want individual attorney generals, like for example, in Minnesota, who's their attorney general? Oh, I don't know, someone named, some Muslim named Keith Ellison, who is a member of the Muslim Brotherhood, who put his hand on the Quran when he took his oath of office, not on the Bible, not on this book, which our nation was founded upon. I've known for years that eventually when I go into Minnesota or Michigan, I will probably be arrested or banned from going into those states because of our ministry. Even if I'm going to share Christ with Muslims, but the moment that I share anything derogatory towards it, so it's not just about our ministry. This is about every journalist. This is about every individual. And what they, the way we know this is applied in Europe and France, if you go and you try to evangelize a Muslim, Christians have been arrested in the UK and France under their new secular laws and hate speech laws. They've been arrested for sharing the gospel. Why are we in this place in America? Somebody was commenting on our Rumble page. Because America has fallen. Because America has is reaping all of what we have sown, our rejection of God, our immorality, our lawlessness. And yes, folks, I'm praying for America. I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for the awakening. But I've said so many times on this show, I do not believe there will be a national revival. I do not believe there will be a national awakening. It's going to be only in pockets in, in certain areas because it is based on our hunger and our repentance before God. But this nation has been turned over. I was, Brandon and I were talking about this last night again. This nation has been turned over. It is reprobate. Our, our federal government is corrupt. And I know people are excited about Mike Johnson as the new Speaker of the House, and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. But I want to tell you that all of these things, folks, that are happening, this is not recent. They've been planning this step by step by step because you would ask, why on earth, three and a half weeks after the worst attack on Israel since the Holocaust, the worst death toll, which again, if you look at their population, our population, their death toll of almost 1,500 now would be the equivalence of over 60,000 Americans murdered. 20 times 9-11 uh, in the towers. And every time the White House is asked about anti-Semitism and the rise of anti-Semitism, they flip the script. Oh, but no, 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 we got to be worried about Muslims. Mus poor, the poor Muslims, the poor Muslims. They're such victims. Speaking of statistics, let's look at that. Actually, real quick, and here is CARE. Let's go to this trial. Here is CARE. They put out this press release, all excited about what the American Bar Association did. Well, it was CARE putting pressure on the American Bar Association because if you look at their latest press releases on the right, CARE, 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 all these in, in Cleveland and New Jersey and Florida, they're all putting pressure on school boards, on legislators, on uh, the police, on the attorney generals to, to, to go against anybody that criticizes Islam or Hamas or Gaza. 
So CARE, welcome. CARE, who's a front group for the Muslim Brotherhood. CARE, who was started in order to fund Hamas in 1994. Don't forget I said that to you. Again, the quick history. 1987, Muslim Brotherhood starts the Islamic Association of Palestine, which becomes Hamas. In 1993, the U.S. State Department, the U.S. government lists Hamas as a terrorist organization, limiting its ability to fundraise. 1994, Muslim Brotherhood starts CARE in order to fund Hamas. 2007, I should say, United States government under the Bush administration uh, goes after a uh, charity in Texas, an Islamic charity that was a front for funneling millions of dollars to Hamas. That charity was indicted. Members of that charity were indicted, charged, convicted. In that court trial, evidence came out that there were multiple co-conspirators, including members of the Muslim Brotherhood, including Muslim Brotherhood organizations like CARE. And they were all subsequently poof released and nothing happened to them because Barack Hussein Obama became president. And when Barack Hussein Obama became president, he issued his order to Eric Holder in 2009 to shut the trial down and bury all the evidence. To this day, CARE is designated as an unindicted co-conspirator in the Holy Land Foundation trial, the largest terror financing trial in American history, and they have carte blanche access to work with our legal, our lawyers, the American Bar Association, which is corrupt anyway, and um, it's unbelievable. But let's go to the FBI statistics real quick, Jariah, just because I, I want to show you that Kamala is a liar. The White House, is a, they're liars. Here's the FBI statistics in 2021 on religiously motivated, uh, on all their hate crime statistics, okay? When you go down and you click on this, and it's not there on the screen, it says there was 1,590 religiously motivated hate crimes. Of those 1,590, 51.4% were against Jews. 9.6% were against Muslims. Sikhs, 11.6%. Catholics, 6%. Uh, Orthodox, Christ, uh, Greek Orthodox, 3%. So the number one category of religiously motivated hate crimes in America in 2021, Jews, anti-Semitism. Where is the greatest anti-Semitism on the planet? In the Middle East. Where is the greatest of the greatest anti-Semitism in the planet? In Gaza, that is controlled by Hamas, the so-called Palestinian. Now, let's go to the next slide, Dry. I sent you some uh, screenshots there. Uh, not that one first. Oh, sorry. Go back to the other one, please. Uh, I need the other one first. This one. Here's this one. Here's now 2022, last year. FBI crime data reporting. Okay? You see this. Look at all their events, right? Uh, 11,643 different multiple hate crimes. Uh, gender 469 or gender identity, gender 95, disability, sexual orientation, blah, blah, blah. You see on the screen there, 2,044 were religious. So it went up a little bit. 2,044 religiously motivated hate crimes. Now let's go to the other screenshot. Of those, look at this. Look at the anti-Jew. Of the 2,044, 1,124 were anti-Jewish hate crimes. Again, Islam is not even mentioned on that list. It's so important the FBI doesn't even mention it. 
But if you did look at it, it's around the same, around 9%. Didn't go up, didn't go down. Now, is it possible that Americans are angry at Hamas and Palestine for the mass murder of Jews, of children, raping, beheading, burning women, men, children, elderly, killing them in their beds, in their homes? Is it possible that there's some anger? Absolutely. I'm angry. By the way, I lived through this. When we first came from Iran to the United States in 1978-1979, when the hostage crisis happened in 1979, in September of 1979, when that happened, and people found out I'm Iranian. You, you don't think there were people that were maybe were angry with me? The kids wouldn't play with me. I was called a terrorist. Did it scar me for life? No. I understand it was children. I understand they didn't know any better. I understand there was ignorance. I didn't have anything to do with what Iran did. So that's human nature. People are sinful. But I'm just trying to show you that when Kamala says that it is the, the scourge of Islamophobia and attacks against Muslims because of one possible attack that happened, which if it's truly related to the fact that those, that woman and her, and her son were Palestinian, then I condemn it unequivocally. But the FBI itself says the worst thing that's happening in America is anti-Semitism. And we've been warning about this over the last 12 years. If you go back to 2020, uh, 2011, on average, anti-Semitism was about 60% of all religiously motivated hate crimes. Hate crimes, religiously motivated hate crimes against Islams, according to the FBI. And again, this is the FBI, right? You know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But if it's actually true, always less than 10%, approximately around 10%. It's always stay hovered there. And by the way, same with, with, with Christians. Except now, Christians are persecuted by their government. If you're pro-life, if you're pro-marriage, if you're against these, you know, now we are domestic terrorists. And so this is what's going on. And this is what I'm concerned about. And by the way, real quick, Dry, let's go to the text. If you look at Islamic text, uh, slander. Can you bring up that slander uh, slide, please? Islamophobia is really slander in Islam. Why am I so concerned? Because under Islamic law, if Sharia law was governing, look at Surah chapter 33. Lo, those who malign Allah and his messenger, Allah hath cursed them in the world and the hereafter and had prepared for them the doom of the disdained. A curse wherever they are found, being seized, and look at this, massacred completely. So if you slander Islam, which is the charge of Islamophobia, then you must be seized, found seized, and massacred completely if you are being governed by Islamic law. This is the established way of Allah with those who pass on before, and you will not find any, any find in the way of Allah any change. Meaning, it's, it was back 1,400 years ago. It's the same today, folks. There's no modern version of Islam. This is Islam. And, 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 and you want to find out how anti-Semitic Islam is? Let's go to the next slide, please, Dry, about the anti-Semitism of Islam real quickly. Dry, real quickly, get that. No, not that one. What one? Nope, slide, the slide, our slides. There we go. 
Islam is anti-Semitic. Here you go. Look at this. Surah chapter 2. And you have already known about those who transgress among you concerning the Sabbath. It's talking about the Jews, right? Because Islam teaches that the Jews corrupted the, the Torah according to what Allah sent. And we said to them, be apes, despise. So here's the Quran calling Jews apes. Next verse there, Surah 560. Say, shall I inform you of what is worse than that as penalty from Allah? It is that of those who Allah has cursed with whom he became angry and made them apes and pigs and slaves of idolatry. And then finally, Surah 7, 166. So when they were insolent about that which they had been forbidden, because they supposedly broke the law, we said to them, be apes. So he's, uh, the Quran is saying, because they broke the law of Moses, go ahead and come back to me, please, which according to Islam, Moses was Muslim. Abraham was Muslim. David was Muslim. Jesus was Muslim. Allah has cursed them to be apes, to be pigs. This is the description of the Allah, of the Quran, and this antichrist spirit that is Islam. And so for me, and this ministry, we will never shut up. I will never stop warning people about the dangers of Islam. I will never stop warning that Islam is an antichrist spirit. I will never stop warning that Muslims do not worship the same God, that Allah is a false God. I will never stop warning on the dangers of Chrislam and inner faith and multi-faith and the Abrahamic faith. I will never stop. If I'm jailed, if I'm deemed as a domestic terrorist, if I'm deemed as a national security threat, so be it. So be it. And I pray that you will do the same thing. This is the ignorance. These fools in the White House are beholden to the Islamic world, the United Nations, all the globalists. They're simply doing their bidding. And oh, by the way, please pray for Israel tomorrow. Um, let's go to the article, um, Drya, from... Um, oh, first let's go to the memory article. Again, you want to see the anti-Semitism. Look at this article here from the Middle East Media Research Institute. Uh, Qatar-based International Union of Muslim Scholars. So these are Islamic scholars that are based in Arabia and in the air region of Qatar, uh, which we know where Iran was staging their support for Hamas. Uh, they issued a fatwa. Now, what's a fatwa? Keep this up, please. It is a religious ruling according to Sharia law. It is according to Islamic law. Here's what they said that they're obligating all quote-unquote Palestinians in the West Bank and within the 48 borders, all of Israel's neighbors, all Arab nations, and all Muslim countries to intervene militarily on behalf of Gaza. So they are saying this is an intifada, this is a global jihad, all Muslim nations must be activated. Then you saw Erdogan in Turkey declare that they are at war now, with Israel, if Israel goes into Gaza, well, they have gone into Gaza. They have surrounded Gaza City. But reports are coming in. When I was on the uh, show with Brandon today, uh, he was talking to a guy named Aaron who was literally in Israel. He was in Tel Aviv. And he was reporting that they're very concerned about the possibility of a launch of a second offensive, multiple rockets. Uh, not when I say multiple, I'm saying thousands of rockets that is in Lebanon with Hezbollah, there is some evidence 
that the Wagner group, remember they were the ones who were trying to overturn, over, over, overthrow Putin from Russia, that they are in, in um, Lebanon because the leader of Hezbollah, uh, Nasrallah, is going to make a speech tomorrow. And this speech is the first one he's given since October 7th, in which is expected that he's going to call on all Muslims to arise and fight Israel and fight the Jews wherever you find them. Wherever you find them. This is why, um, Dry, let's go to that quickly, that Muslim cleric one from Jihad Watch. This is why the Muslim cleric quotes this genocidal hadith. Remember, this is the hadith. This is the cleric. Um, this is uh, Damascus in Friday, Sheikh Ta uh, Tafik uh, Ramadan al-Buti. The Jews are treacherous, murderous in the protocols of the devils of Zion. The Jews admit to being the executioners of the world. They sp spread moral corruption through fashion films, TV and media, blah, 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 on and on. And he is calling for uh, their, uh, to fight against them, citing the hadith of Muhammad. The hadith that I've read for you on this show over and over again that talks about that every stone, every tree will cry out when Muslims are hiding or Jews are hiding behind them. Hey, Muslim, hey, servant of Allah, come and kill them. And then Israel, we know Iran, we know Iran is involved, right? We know Iran is funding uh, Hezbollah as Iran's proxy in Syria or in, um, in, in, Le in uh, Lebanon. We know Iran is, has great presence in Iraq and Syria. In fact, Iran's militias run most of Iraq, Western Iraq and in Syria. Then you have Iran in Yemen with the Houthis that have now declared war against Israel. They officially have declared war on the Jews. This is a declaration to annihilate the Jews. All these media outlets, genocide in Gaza. No, the genocide is going to be soon coming against Jews everywhere. And Zionists, anybody that supports Jews who is deemed as a Zionist like myself, uh, they're going to be a target. And then you have, of course, Iran in Qatar. So you have all these elements. But now look at Russia. Here is, final article, dry real quick. Here is the um, ambassador... Uh, to the United Nations, Russia's ambassador or representative, uh, Vasily Nebenzaya. Remember I played you the video? Uh, go ahead and bring this up, please. Remember I played you the video um, of what happened in Dagestan, right? A part, a part of Russia. Did you keep this long enough? He, he said that, um, here's what he said. The only thing they can muster is continued pronouncement about Israel's supposed right to self-defense Although, as an occupying power, because that's what they're claiming Israel is, it does not have that power as confirmed by the advisory opinion of the International Court of Justice handed down in 2004. So he is declaring from the Russian government, go ahead and come back to me, that Israel does not have a right of self-defense. Even though he claims that they have a right of security, what does that mean? If you can't have a right of self-defense, so... Um, Folks, pray tomorrow and pray this weekend for the peace of Jerusalem, but pray for protection. There are 500 Americans in Gaza that are not being let out by Hamas. That's Hamas holding them as hostages. 
Senator Marshall Blackburn here in Tennessee sent a letter to the Biden administration citing U.S. code that they are hostages, American citizens. No one's talking about that in the White House. All they're focusing on is Islamophobia. I, I shouldn't say they're not, but they, they won't address it. We have criminals, special interest aliens from all these Islamic terrorist countries coming in from our southern border. Nobody cares about that. The focus is on Islamophobia. And as a national security threat. And now you have Russia chiming in. Iran. Turkey. Wow, isn't that the Gog-Magog alliance? Russia, Iran, Turkey. The main players in the Gog-Magog alliance prophecy before our very eyes, folks. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. So much to cover here tonight. I want to thank you all for being with us. Please send this link. Um, if we do not combat Islam in America, they will take over Islam. That's the red-green axis that I've talked about so many times. The globalist, Marxist, communist, socialist is the red. Islam is the green. They're working together to destroy America, to take over America. They want Islam to be the foot soldiers of the globalists. Islam is the battering ram of the globalists. Destroy Western Europe, destroy Australia, destroy New Zealand, destroy Canada, destroy the United States. Destroy the nations that were founded on Judeo-Christian values and principles. As I said at the beginning, our response must be to go in the opposite spirit. The more they want me to be silent, the more they want to intimidate, the more I'm going to be louder, folks. I don't know about you. I'm going to be louder. I'm going to be bolder. I'm going to proclaim the gospel even stronger. Can you go to our slide, please, Dry, about the gospel? Folks, remember the gospel? No, 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 the other one, please. The one right next to it. The gospel is, as Paul says in Romans 9.33, Behold, I lay in Zion. Where is Zion? Where is Zion, folks? That's Jerusalem. That's why I'm a Zionist. I believe in biblical Zionism. But it's a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And it is. It is a rock of offense to the Jews. It is a rock of offense to the Muslims. But whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Jesus is that rock of offense, folks. The Jewish Messiah. The gospel is that rock of offense, but it's also the power of God unto salvation. It is the only power. It is the only way. It is the only name. It is the only life. Apart from this, no one can come to the Father, but through Jesus Christ. So again, Tuesday. Join us Tuesday on our show. I'm going to be covering this topic, sharing Christ with Muslims. Can we bring that slide up, please, again, Drya? Answering Islam's objections and sharing Christ, Tuesday, noon Eastern. If you want to be equipped to know how to evangelize, to understand Islam's objections, we're going to cover this. Now, unless there's a breaking story, if there's a breaking story, then we'll postpone it. But I may record it and uh, play it the week after because I'm going to be on the road. Speaking of on the road, please check out our events calendar on our website. We have a massive trip planned in western Washington, north Idaho, tillministry.com slash events. I'm going to be in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Priest River, Idaho, multiple speaking engagements on the 12th and the 14th. 
Then I'm going to be in Western Washington, the 15th, the 16th, the 17th, the 18th, and the 19th. I'm speaking six times in five days. Please check it out. Multiple topics, including our brand new DVD that we're going to be recording. We will not comply. That's got to be our motto for 2024. We will not comply. We will obey God over government. If the two are in conflict, the battle between obeying God versus government. Uh, we're going to be recording that, folks. Um, as well as presenting our new One World Religion Rising presentation, our great pushback presentation. Please check it out. Please check it out. And folks, um, please... Um, oh, by the way, next Thursday, depending on how things go, I may try something new. I want to do one show where I'm answering your questions. We've got a lot of emails lately. I may answer some emails that I've gotten and or answer live questions like right now on the live chat that I'm looking at here on uh, Rumble. So be thinking about questions. The plan is for next Thursday night to do a live show with live questions and or if you have questions you want us to answer, email us at info at uh, Don't put it on the, uh, on the Rumble chat now because I won't see it next week. But if you have questions, hang on to them. Join us on our Rumble chat. Uh, if you want to invite people, join us live on our Rumble uh, page for our 8 p.m. Eastern show next Thursday. We'll answer. So again, Tuesday, we're going to be, we're going to be presenting Sharing Christ with Muslims, how to evangelize these Muslims. Because listen, the only solution, the only solution is not to hold hands with them, is not to partner with them, is not to covenant with them, is not to say we have common ground. The only solution is the bold presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can see them come out of the darkness of Islam as I did 24 years ago by the grace of God and into the light of Christ. And same for the Jews. May we pray for the Jewish people. May we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May we pray for the hearts of the Jews in this moment to turn to their Messiah, to recognize that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has come, that they would not be deceived, even though the majority will, unfortunately, be deceived during the tribulation by the coming Antichrist, which I believe very strongly could come out of the Islamic world, the Mahdi that I covered for you last week. But we must, we must, we must pray that this will be the hour that many will come to know the name that is above every other name, the only name that can save. Folks, if you want to support our ministry, please go to our website, tillministry.com donate. Please consider prayerfully a one-time donation secured uh, online. If you want to mail in a check, here's our address. Um, please make check, checks to Truth and Love or Truth and Love Ministry. P.O. Box 4523, Maryville, Tennessee, 37802. We are so grateful for every single one of you that keeps our ministry going. Soon we'll be talking about our year-end giving. So in just a couple of weeks, we'll be uh, uh, talking about that and the importance of year-end giving. So folks, if you want to consider that prayerfully right now, if you also want to prayerfully consider being a part of our Gideon army, this is where we pray for 300 Gideons who will join us in prayer and in monthly support, any amount above $5 a month is a blessing to this ministry. Perfectly consider that. Thank you for every, go ahead and come back to me, please, Ryan. Thank you for every single one of you. Thank you for every single one of you that has supported this ministry, either monthly or on a one-time basis. 
And also stay tuned for more information about our brand new church launch here in December. Truth and Love Church, our house churches and our local services that will be starting December 3rd. The date has changed because of our facility that we're securing. December 3rd, we're gonna be launching our first service live at six o'clock Eastern on Sunday nights. Uh, we'll have more information on that next week. Pastor Sharam Hadian, thank you for being with us tonight. Lord bless you guys. Have a blessed weekend. Stay strong. Listen, count the cost. Count the cost of your faith. Count the cost of speaking the truth. No matter what they say or how they try to criminalize us, let us speak the truth of love. God bless you guys.